0: to discuss the hadith of Rasulullah. That seven people would carry his that grand outside. religious institution at home is at the mercy of al from cover to cover. It could take up to three years. So, was Ali ibn I'm I'm any I'm other bay'ah in Islam with a unanimous... A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim One of the most important and critical topics which need to be addressed in such important occasions and on such important nights as the topic concerning the religious institution. Whether you are a Muslim or a Christian or a Jew or a Hindu, whether you are a Shia, or a Sunni, or a Sufi, whether you live in the United States of America, or you live in Europe, or the Middle East, or even in holy cities such as Qom, Najaf, and Karbala, this has become one of the most pressing topics for people to discuss on daily basis. Therefore, you find Catholics discussing matters of the Catholic Church, the Jews discussing issues in regards to their synagogues and temples and seminaries and religious institutions. Hindus, the same thing. The Sunnis as well. And we, the followers of al-Bayt find that one of the most oftenly discussed topics within the circles of religious and non-religious individuals as a topic concerning the religious institution and of course this topic is oftenly discussed in forms of Chinese whispers or gossip or personal opinion however everyone everyone is somehow, somewhat, somewhere is being critical. And obviously, this topic has been ignored for so long. This topic has been neglected for so long. This topic remains unaddressed by the religious institution itself. And today... It does not concern me to discuss this topic, the topic of the religious institution, by examining the Catholic Church or by examining any other denomination of the Christians or the Jews or even sects outside the madhab of Ahl al Bayt. But it concerns me to address this very important topic when it concerns the Shi'i religious institution and its give and take with the members of the community. And obviously, a lot of people criticize the religious institution because of the fact that they believe everything around us, everything we deal with, is evolving. It's updating itself. It's becoming universal. It's turning into a business-like structure where many people devote their lives to this institution, to this organization, to this entity in a democratic format where every individual counts. Every individual is part of the decision making. Every individual is part of the process of perfection. It's no longer a monarchy. It's no longer a one way street. And many people are critical of this. Many people are critical of the fact that everything is becoming more convenient, everything is becoming more accessible everything is becoming more reachable and tangible except religious matters, except our religious forms of practice, our religious form of understanding things. Let me give you a very basic example so an average Joe, anyone can understand. You see, since the Smartphones were introduced to the world. We've had many different types of smartphones. And since the iPhone particularly was launched. We've had many different kinds of iPhone. And almost every week or every month or every other month. The iPhone application asks you. Operating system asks you to make an update. Why? Because this entire world is updating itself. If you're using maps on your phone, you literally have to update those maps on a on daily basis. However, the way that we conduct our religious affairs, meaning, for example, the way we deal with Al Risal Al Amaliyya, the book which contains the religious rulings. Most people have what's called a risala al-Amaliyya or the book that contains the religious rulings or the religious fatwas at home, depending on the marja they follow. But ultimately it's all the same. What do I mean it's all the same? I mean if you go and open this book, whether it's in Arabic or it's in Farsi or it's in Urdu or it's in English, an average person won't understand it. It's simple. You know, some people feel awkward telling me this sometimes. Because they go and they open the Rasala al-Amaliyya and they're looking at an Islamic law and they speak Arabic, they read magazines in Arabic, they read books in Arabic, they understand Arabic. But when it comes, for example, to a particular law concerning Salah or Siyam or Fasting or Hayth or Nifas and they open this law and they read the law and they don't understand it. So, it's an awkward moment where they're trying to confess that, look, I do speak the language, I understand it, but every time I read a law concerning Islam, concerning fiqh, for Mas'al al Amalia, I don't understand it. I don't understand the terminology of ihtiyat, ihtiyat wajubi, ihtiyat astihbabi, al awla, al tark. Very complicated. Besides, you know, we have about 12,000 laws about 1,000 laws concerning Salah. Are you kidding me? How are we going to read and memorize 1,000 laws so that we can perform a Salah? Is there not another way, a more convenient way, an alternative way for us to understand the Islamic laws and yet not go through such a complex system? Nobody really has time to read a rasala al-Amaliyah from cover to cover. It could take up to three years for us to understand it and comprehend it. So why is it that we are not updating ourselves? Why is it that we are not hearing the critique that comes from the people? Why is it that people have no input and no decision-making power in our community? And indeed, I believe this is an extremely critical, an extremely important topic to be discussed, an extremely important topic to be addressed. Why? Because, brothers and sisters, I feel the younger generation, I feel the professionals, I feel those who have adopted an academic way of life, are no longer on good terms with the religious institution. Let me repeat this, so there is no ambiguity, I feel that the younger generation, the professionals, are no longer on good terms with the religious institution. And we cannot keep blaming them. We cannot keep pointing fingers at them. We cannot say, well, they're too busy with their lives. They're too busy making money. They're too busy working their way up the ladder of success in their company. Or else, why should they have a problem with the religious institution? Furthermore, I would like to add this. Sayyidna, What do you mean by the religious institution? This is a very broad term. Do you mean the religious governments? Do you mean the seminary? Do you mean the scholars? Do you mean the speakers? Do you mean the schools? Do you mean the masajid? Do you mean the Islamic institutions? Do you mean the Islamic centers? The answer is yes. I mean all the above. While we have a Qur'an amongst us, and this Qur'an is ma'soom, لا يأتيه الباطل. This Qur'an cannot be infiltrated with باطل. This Qur'an cannot contain mistakes. It is revealed from the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the purest of hearts, the heart of خاتم الأنبياء والرسل Rasulullah Muhammad. And we have the most immaculate of leadership from the Ahlul Bayt and the immaculate of the companions of Rasulullah and the Ahlul Bayt. I am not infallible and I am not perfect. Neither is the Islamic center you attend, nor the seminary seminary that I attended, nor the religious scholar or the religious entity or the seminary or the religious institution that that you adhere to. We are all subject to making mistakes and having flaws. Now the idea is not sitting and talking about those mistakes over and over again. Because you know, one of the sweetest topics... For people to discuss where? When they actually attend the majlis or they attend the masjid or they attend the religious gathering. After the religious gathering is over, some people sit inside, some people sit outside, some people go outside for smoke, some people go outside for a cup of tea, or they gather at each other's house. And what's the, the sweetest topic? What's the most convenient topic? What's the most attractive topic? What's the, that, what's, one, what's the one topic that every person has to have an opinion on? It's the religious institution. The alim, the masjid, the husainiyah, the speaker, the uh, ziyara group that we went to, the speaker at the ziyara group, the alim and the had group. Re- matters of religion. The religious institution at whole is at the mercy of individuals when they sit together. They could be smoking argila or drinking tea or having fun, watching TV. But the topic, discussion, consists of two things. A little bit of politics and a lot of gossip and Chinese whispers in regards to the religious institution. Now this does not just exist in the Iraqi community, or the Lebanese community, or the Indo-Pakistani community, or the Khoja community. It exists in literally every single community. And it doesn't matter how religious you are or not. It doesn't matter how practicing you may be. It's something that people feel they can have an input on. And this is exactly what I mean. Today the world has evolved into a format where if you are part of something, then you have to be part of the decision making. If you're involved in a society, and a group, and a community, and a college, and a nation, then you get to have a say. Today, every single person living in America who is an American citizen has a say in what happens around him. Don't tell me, well, no, I don't have a say. Yes, you do. You did when it was time for you to vote. Whether it's your representative or your president or your local authorities. You have a say. You have a say in choosing your judge and your sheriff and your member of Congress and the president and those who take leadership positions. So we are used to being part of this kind of society. When it comes to not being able to have a say when it comes to the religious institution, then everybody's frustrated and they take it out in underground, backstage types, types of discussions. But that is not constructive, brothers and sisters. That will never bring change. That's actually just waste of our lives. So how do we bring about the change? We bring about the change. By discussing the most vital elements that will revive the religious institution. And obviously, if we're going to be disrespectful, if we're going to be attacking anybody, nobody then wants to listen to us. Nobody wants to make us part of that decision making. But once we have constructive criticism, once it's based on analysis and studies, then we can start hoping for change. We can start processing that change. And I tell you, why is it that I chose to discuss this topic this evening? I chose to discuss this topic this evening because Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen wa Mawla al Muhadeen Ali ibn Abi Talib was the master of change. He was the one that rejuvenated the Muslim ummah. In fact, he was the last hope of the entire Muslim community. Do you know what happened after the demise of Rasulullah and what fell onto the Muslim ummah? The religion was hijacked and altered. This is not something I can discuss in 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Go read history. There was a time where salatul jumuah and I'm not saying this to make anybody laugh or the for the for the sake of amusement. There was a time in which the Khalifa of the Muslimin would pray Salat al-Jumu'ah, the Friday prayers, not on Friday but on Wednesday. And while Imam al-Jumu'ah has to stand and deliver the khutbah, some of the so-called righteous companions of Rasulullah, out of obesity, not out of fatigue, not because he was tired and he is muttaqi, and he has not ate anything. No, out of obesity, out of wanting to become a king, he would sit and deliver khutbatul al You know, I see some Muslims today, the followers of the same methodology, the same school, the same Mindset, you have seen them. They wear their dresses up to their knees. Here. So you tell him, Why is your dress so short? He says, This is the sunnah of Rasulullah. The sunnah of Rasulullah, he meant, Don't let your clothes drag. But he didn't say, Make it short up to your knees. Nobody's asking you to wear a skirt and walk around. Huh? Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan, the person who you cannot critique, he's a red line to many people, they say when he would enter the chambers of Khilafah, seven people would carry his dress behind him. Go read history. This is mentioned in their own history, that seven people would carry his dress until he sat on the throne. Just like, you know, the... the on a wedding day, how the bride, they carry her dress. What about his beard? Was his beard up to his belly button? No. They say he used to plug his beard. He used to plug his beard. Let's read history. Let's understand one fact that Amir al muminin came To give life to this Ummah. This dead Ummah. This Ummah that had been busy with occupying land and territory and turning the religion of Islam into an empire after the death of the third Khalifa Uthman. Uthman, by the way, he didn't die in in battle. Uthman didn't die during jihad. Uthman didn't have a natural death. What happened to the third Khalifa, Uthman? The Muslims, they killed him. They ransacked his home and they killed him. And they left his body without a burial for three days. And during that period of time, the Sahaba, the righteous companions of Rasulullah were not able to sit on the member of Rasulullah And do the tafsir of the Quran or give a hadith from Rasulullah, meaning they could not sit on the member and say, Qala Rasulullah. The masjid of Rasulullah was occupied by whom? Al Qassasun, storytellers, magicians sometimes would go into the masjid to do magic shows. And there were individuals who had recently entered the religion of Islam. I ask you brothers, sisters, my beloveds, whether you are here or whether you are listening to me, go read history, any book of history. I'm not going to mention a book of history on those matters because they exist in every book of history. Every book of history open, it has discussed what I've just told you. Some people who have recently entered the religion of Islam Jews, Christians, rabbis, and priests would come and they read from the Talmud and from the Old Testament and from the New Testament and the Muslims would listen to them. The sahaba were not given a chance to discuss the hadith of Rasulullah. So they came to Amir al muminin after the death of Uthman and they unanimously gave him A bay'ah. It was the only bay'ah in Islam where it had a unanimous agreement. Lies. Whoever says that there was any other bay'ah in Islam with a unanimous democratic agreement. Besides the bay'ah of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Everyone gathered. Everyone paid him his bay'ah. And he rejected. He didn't want the bay'ah when they all agreed and they begged him, he said, now I cannot run away from the responsibility. Because Allah has taken a responsibility, a vow from the ulama, that if there is a unanimous agreement for them to dispense their knowledge to lead the ummah, they cannot refuse. The first thing that he did, is he returned the money stolen from bayt al-mal to bayt al-mal. Go read history, who had stolen, where was the money, how did he take the money. As soon as that happened, now Ali ibn Abi Talib is no longer wanted. It took us so many years to fill in our bank accounts with the money, and Ali ibn Abi Talib wants to take it overnight. That's one. He said, if you had purchased slaves with this money, you return the money and you must free the slaves. If you had gone married with this money, you must return the money of the dowry that you have paid to Bayt mal This is not your money. Inshallah, we will discuss the character of Ali ibn Abi Talib, the nobility of Ali ibn Abi Talib tomorrow. But the point that I'm trying to make, brothers and sisters, is that Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib was the imam of change, the imam of reform. Similarly, his sons... The twelve Imams, Salih and Ba'da Salih, an Imam after an Imam, Hadi and Ba'da Hadi, a reformist one after another. Go read their biographies. And if we, if we adhere to Ali ibn Abi Talib's ideology and teachings, and to his eleven infallible sons, then we also must be amongst those who bring change in our societies, and that is why I have chosen several elements from his life, from his legacy, to bring perfection, to bring change to our religious institution. We will discuss that after your loud salawat ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. The first quality that we found in Amir al muminin where it made him a flawless and immaculate, a great leader, brothers and sisters, was his unbelievable passion for Islam. It was his unbelievable devotion to the religion of Islam. Amir al muminin from a young age, very early days, Rasulullah invites 40 members of his family to his home. He says, "Who is there to help me deliver this message? And he will be my wazir, he will be my brother, he will be my successor." They laughed at him. They laughed at Rasulullah. They mocked him. This young boy he stands, he says, "Ana ya Rasulullah." I am. Look at the passion of Ali. Look at the love of Ali. Look at the devotion of this young man. So Rasulullah told him, sit down. The second time. The third time, he took his hand. Rasulullah didn't look at his young age. Rasulullah looked at the passion of Ali. The pure heart of Ali. The devotion of Ali. Sometimes a young man, a a young woman in your community will do the job of 20 people. Look at their passion. Look at their pure hearts. Look at their devotion. Don't say this guy, this young woman, this young man. They're children. They're still teenagers. What do they know? Learn this from Rasulullah. So Rasulullah says, he then is my brother. He is my Khalifa. And he is my Wazir. Isn't that true? Then when he was migrating from Mecca to Medina. He brings this young man, he has not been married, he has not lived, you know, life, he has not enjoyed life. He says, Ali, you sleep in my bed. Why, Ya Rasulullah? Because they're trying to assassinate me. Allahu Akbar. Ya Rasulullah, couldn't you choose any a better task for me than to be slaughtered in your deathbed and the eve that you're leaving Mecca to Medina? No. He does not complain, he does not frown, he does not question Rasulullah. He says, Ya Rasulullah, awat ta'man? and will you be safe this is how ali ibn abi talib does the sujood and he thanks allah he says i thank allah for choosing me to sacrifice myself for rasulullah look at the passion when they jumped the khandaq when amr ibn Wood jumped the khandaq in the battle of the ditch and he came in the middle of the muslimin and he started calling and shouting. No one would dare to even lift their heads. Or history. The Quran says, imagine this guy is standing over there, the Muslims are over here, and he's calling on to them. They're like this. They, they are so scared, they're not even looking up. You know, sometimes we get so scared, we don't want to see what's going on. This is how every Muslim was. So Rasulullah says, "Man hada wa ana Only Ali stands. He says, "Ujlas Ali." The second time, "Man hada wa ana lahul Rasulullah. If this person dies or lives, I will give you paradise. No one dares to stand except Ali. The third time, what does Rasulullah say? The al it was due to his passion and after the demise of Rasulullah and when he became a Khalifa he was a passionate leader he was a leader that they say when he built his home he kept his bedroom next to the door so you open the door of the house, you enter the bedroom of Ali ibn Abi Talib, maybe to the right side. Immediately, who keeps his bedroom right next to the door? Especially if you're the Khalifa. They asked him, Ya Amir al muminin it looks like you don't know engineering. He said, yes I do. I don't want the people to be delayed if they knocked at the doors of the Khalifa. I don't want them to be delayed moments while I leave. A bedroom at the end of the house to the front of the house. This is a passionate leader. This is a loving leader that loves the religion of Islam. Loves what he does. Today this is what we need in our religious institution, brothers and sisters. We need love. We need passion. We need devotion. We need sincerity. Let us work on that. And I wish I had time to give you more examples. Number two. We in our religious institution must build around the people. Not around personalities. Not around titles. Don't tell me this institution belongs to this marja and this scholar and this hasib and this political party, and this government, this is where we, fought, we, where we fail. Tell me this religious organization is built around the people. It is from the people and for the people. Even a alim, even a marji', even a scholar, even a speaker, you have to be from the people and for the people. A religious institution should not be for one person or one team. No, it should be for everyone. And this was another valuable lesson from the life of Amir al muminin From the way that Amir al-Mu'mineen salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi did, the, did things. While he was the most powerful man, he was an ordinary man. He never ever called for the khilafah of Islam to revolve around him as a person. No, the most important thing was the khilafah. The most important thing was justice. The most important thing was equality, the message of Islam, not himself. In fact, during khutmat jumuah people would stand and they would curse him. They would critique him. They would question him. And Amir al muminin would Not harass them. Today tell me where in the Muslim ummah? Anywhere. You tell me. A khatib. Especially if he has power of a government. He has army. He has money. He has wealth. Someone can stand up in the khutbah of Jumu'ah and criticize him. Where? Did it happen before him? Did it happen after him? Only in the time of Ali ibn Abi Talib. We, brothers and sisters, must take this lesson into our religious institutions. Let the religious institution be for the people. Let me move on. I, I hope you understand. You, I don't have to give you five examples in order for us to understand what I mean. Whether it comes to the seminary, whether it comes to our masjids, whether it comes to our, the way we deal with things, whether it is with the speakers that we invite, whether it's the people that we listen to, whether it all should be from the people and for the people. Don't tell me because this person is, for example, a follower of a different marja or a different sect or a different language or a different society or a different culture. has nothing to do with me. No. Look at what community wants. Look at what your community needs. Listen to them. You see, today, companies have become billionaires. How? Not by producing something and then shoving it down the throat of people. You know, nobody forces us to buy iPhones. People actually line up to buy this iPhone. Why? Because they started listening to what people want. And then they give them what they want. We want to do do things the opposite. We want to say, Oh people, this is what you want. Habibi, this is not what I want. This is what you need. Wallah, this is not what I need. No, you have to. Here. And we shove it down the throats. Some people say, Wallah, Sayyidina, you're getting it wrong. People want everything to be halal. That's not the case. Nobody wants haram to become halal. People want simple explanations, rational understandings. Why is something haram? Why is something halal? Why is it that I have to do things this way? Why is it that I have to do things this way? Why? Because today I ask everything from Google. Google tells me everything. But when it comes to the religious institution, I get no answers. Well, that's not gonna work. So number two, built around the people. Number three, do not praise yourself on the expense of others. Allahu Akbar. This is a worse habit, mostly in religious institutions. Do not give credit to yourself, praise yourself, compare yourself on the expense of others. I am the most learned. This guy, he's jahil, he doesn't understand anything. We are the best community. This community next door, worst community. This alim is against Imam Hussein. Tell me if you haven't heard those things. This alim is against Ahlul Bayt. This alim is a CIA agent. This alim works for the FBI. This alim is an agent. This alim does not follow this marja. This masjid mess. When will we stop this mess? When we stop? When will we stop this character defamation of people? Because we want to prove we are good. Habibi, if you have good product, if you're genuinely good, if you're genuinely bringing something new to the table, people are smart enough to determine that. You don't need to bring someone else down in order to say I am better. Nobody asks that of us expose others to belittle others to disrespect others and last but not least time is up I wish we had more time to discuss this built a strong team look at Amir al muminins team they were little but amongst them was Ammar amongst them was whom Kumail amongst them with whom Malik al-Ashtar al-Nakhai amongst them was whom The greatest Salman, the greatest of the companions of Rasulullah, built a strong team and believe in this team. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the name of Ali ibn Abi Talib to allow us to be amongst those who rejuvenate our communities, to bring perfection to our communities, to make an enjoyable community for ourselves, for our families. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullah.